you would please turn to Proverbs chapter 27. We're going to hit a few different texts which are either parallel or at least analogous, relevant to each other. We'll start in Proverbs and then we'll go to the most misinterpreted verse of the New Testament, um, which it shouldn't be because it is just contextually, it is really obvious what Jesus is trying to say when we get there, but still it is used wrongly almost 99% of the time it's actually used. But we'll get there. It's good to hit those sometimes because, well, you see it all the time. At least I do. Proverbs 27. We're going to read two verses. Better is, this is uh, Proverbs 27 verse 5, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the words, excuse me, of the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Let's start with the first one. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. What's the first thing that strikes your strikes your mind when you when you read this? It doesn't seem right initially, right? Who actually enjoys publicly getting critiqued? All right. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean public. This could be in private. But it is open is the point. All right? It is known. As in, uh, you do something and someone doesn't hold it in, they actually say, you did wrong there. All right? You should fix this. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. All right? What's wrong with hidden love? You don't know it's there. You don't know it's there. Love is good, though. Right? But if you have love then maybe it should be expressed, right? And so now put the two together, all right? What is the relationship between love and rebuke? Because these are parallel, and so they should be seen together in some way. Do we, what's the relationship with rebu- re- rebuke and love? Right. You were, you're trying to set them on the right path. You can rebuke somebody you love. Now, are rebukes ever done not in love? Well, certainly, right? Um, but rebuke can be an act of love, right? Because, I mean, who, I mean, who likes to be rebuked? But also, do you like rebuking? It's easy to rebuke people who aren't there, right? It's very easy to critique missing people, all right? It's very easy to critique, uh, talk about people behind their back. It's very easy to critique people on perhaps social media. No, let's just go out and just complain about somebody, especially famous people, because they, they don't know who you are, care, and so they'll never respond. So you can, you, know, you can rebuke President Biden, and he will not talk to you, all right? It's fine. And so you might feel free to do that, all right? Um, but is it loving? All right, that's one thing we should ask whenever we're rebuking. Are we? Are what's our motive in this? So in here, yes. Um, can it be a contrast? Like it would be better to have a rebuke from an unloving person than it would be to have somebody who loves you just let you do whatever. Could it be a contrast? I, let's let's think of the different scenarios. All right, uh, someone who loves you and therefore rebukes you. 
Okay? That's probably best scenario, right? Someone who rebukes you but doesn't love you. Is there any benefit in that? Sometimes it certainly can be, right? Because, what's that? Sure, sure. A boss, or even if they really mean it wrong, if they really hate you for it, it still might contain some truth to it. And so therefore you could still theoretically benefit from it. But it is easier to accept truth from some people and some sources than others, right? right. Yes, but yeah. Absolutely. And then, yes, Chip? Uh, I think the word open here is pretty important to understand because I've been openly rebuked in public by a boss. And that, although he, my way of deserved it, I didn't deserve to be humiliated in public by it. Yeah. So it was an open rebuke might be an honest Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the contrast, it is certainly honest. The contrast is hidden versus open. Right? It's not a statement necessarily about publicity. It's a statement specifically about I'm holding it in versus I'm actually letting you know. I think that's the con- contrast there. And so in, in our general categories, it's I love you, therefore I rebuke you. Right? I hate you, therefore I rebuke you. And there can be, can be good in the second. All right? uh, of course, the first one isn't necessarily always good either, because they could be wrong and could be sending you down the wrong path. What's our other options? Uh, I hate you and keep my hate quietly. All right? that's, that's, for someone who hates you, that's probably the best scenario uh, in most cases. And I love you and I keep my rebuke quiet. That one's actually here, clearly. Actually, the first one Open rebuke because of love, I think, is the implication here, is the main idea. And that is better than internal rebuke, but you're not willing to say it. Because the implication is uh, you don't love them enough, or you're too afraid, or something keeps your love from saying the rebuke. All right. So I think those are the, that's the primary contrast there. Uh, now go look at verse 6. Not all proverbs sitting next to each other are relevant for each other, but this one, this one certainly is. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Certainly some overlap here, right? Uh, when somebody rebukes you, do you feel wounded? It's a very natural thing often to, to feel wounded. You might not, depends on the nature of the rebuke. Uh, but faithful are the wounds of a friend if the goal of the friend is to help you. Right? That's, that's good. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What's that talking about? Yeah, that's talking about flattery. That's talking about getting good graces. And somebody might be doing that so ultimately to plan your downfall. Or they might in the future plan your downfall. Who knows? They might in the future do something against you. And so there's this idea in Proverbs here of uh, if, you, if you are a good friend, all right? If you are a faithful loving person, sometimes the right thing for you to do is to openly rebuke somebody, all right? Not publicly per se, all right? But openly, as in you speak it to them. So now turn to Matthew chapter 7. So either, either Jesus here is in blatant contradiction of the Proverbs, or most people, when they quote this verse, they don't quote it rightly. 
Uh, Matthew chapter 7, we'll start in verse 1, and we'll go through verse 6, and we're going to try to tie in how verse 6 might fit in here, even though it might not be obvious. So, starting in Matthew chapter 7, judge not that you be not judged, right? Constantly quoted, all right? Usually quoted in the context of, you said I did something wrong, Jesus said, judge not lest you too be judged, right? That's the basic just in which, in the context in which people quote this verse. And it is entirely a wrong way to quote this verse. And all it does, you know, to take to, to figure this out is just to read a little bit more. All right? Jesus says, judge not that you, not that you be not judged. If this means you can't judge people when they do something wrong, what Jesus is saying, and he's not saying this, what he's saying is you cannot have discernment. You cannot have moral opinions. All right? If that's what Jesus says, which is not what he says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay? Now, as we build on this, we can see once Jesus starts with a universalist statement do not judge. Now he explains why. For, with the judgment you pronounced, you will be judged. All right? And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So in other words, what's he talking about here? It becomes even more obvious in a second. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. All right? So if you judge, whatever measure of judgment you're using will be used against you as well. And so if you are having the same problem, then that's, well, this is going to end up poorly for you. Verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? And Jesus here is using a, an image that is ridiculous on purpose. It is, it is meant to be absurd. All right? Because that's actually the point he's trying to make. You know, like, imagine a little bit of speck in your eye, and someone's saying, hey, you got a speck in your eye, but you've got like a rafter beam sticking out of your eye, right? It's intentionally absurd, okay, to make the point. What is, what is the point, right? Don't tell them they have a speck when you've got a, a rafter beam sticking out of your face. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye, you hypocrite. And this gets, now we use the actual word that Leah said. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. All right? So Jesus, is, as he sometimes does, he uses ridiculous images to kind of try to make a point. All right? And that's, that's the point he makes here. And it's a, an hypocrisy point. If you have a major problem with controlling your finances, and someone has a minor problem, you should not go and say, wow, you're such a terrible person, because you can't control your finances. All right? Um, if you have a major problem with lying, all right, you should, if someone says one little white lie, you are not the right person to go to them and say, man, you've got a terrible problem lying. All right? That's you having a log, having a rafter in your own eye, when they just have a speck. All right? Now, in terms of tying this back to the proverb, the assumption at the end of this paragraph all right, is the reverse 
of the notion that people start reading this paragraph with. All right? The total reverse. And that is, verse 5 again, you hypocrite. All right? First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eyes. So, in this very passage, Jesus' assumption he's trying to teach is, you should have a clear eye so that you can take the speck out of your brother's eye. I mean, is it a good thing to, somebody has a speck in their eye and you can help them solve that? Is that good? Yes, that is obviously good. And it's definitely what Jesus is teaching here. All right. First, take that major sin out of your own life. All right. And then you can then help other people correct their own problem with that sin. But it's hypocrisy. All right. If you come and just start critiquing someone, right, when you have the same issue and you can't solve it for yourself. Yeah. Could yeah. Like, well, I just noticed that a lot of like the social media landscape that is is right. That is almost like the predominant environment there is is that. Yeah, it is so much easier to to critique disconnected to someone. It is very hard to in their face critique them. Very difficult. All right, so. In this way, this is, this is actually extremely consistent with what we read in Proverbs. All right? Proverbs is like, it's loving for you all right, to openly rebuke your friend. All right? It's loving for you to do that. Uh, Jesus is saying the exact same thing. Now, I'm going to give you a minute or two to think about this one. All right? Now let's read verse 6, and then I'm going to want you to think how this might relate, if at all, to verses 1 through 5. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Think about that for a minute. And we're going to ask the question, how does this relate, if at all, to what comes before? Mr. Eric, yeah. we move on to that, can I make a quick observation? Yes, please. Uh, in order to see the speck in your brother's eye, that requires passing judgment too. So mm-hmm. judge not, lest you be judged. It's not a universal blanket statement. Do not judge. It definitely requires judgment. Absolutely. Another observation. Usually whenever someone quotes this, they don't even know the whole verse. Yeah. They, they just say, yeah. judge not. Yeah. Like that that's the most important thing Jesus ever said. Most convenient thing for them that Jesus ever said. Certainly the most convenient, yep. They use it as a cuddle. Mm-hmm. It's very common. So do the world a favor and point out context and go. 
All right, so what do we think about this verse? Do not give to give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Seems like what he was saying is don't preach morality if you're not. And then in 6 he's saying don't waste your time preaching morality to those who aren't going to receive it. Because more than likely they're going to turn on you anyway. Okay. Anybody else have thoughts? I, I do think that's basically the gist, right? Now, how do you know? Sometimes you don't, right? There, there's sometimes you don't, but there is. Neutral parties, they, they hate, they suppress them. They suppress them, they hate the truth, for that matter. And then if you're mm-hmm. the messenger, it's a kill the messenger type of deal, I would say. Yeah, that can certainly happen, right? And and we'll we'll look at some verses in Proverbs if we have time that might be trying to say say the same thing. They're terribly hard to to interpret. But the idea here, if it is if it is put here to be contextually read, and I think that's the point, is um, what you said is there is such a thing as throwing pearls before swine, all right? Uh, in other words, just because something somebody does something wrong doesn't mean you need to tell them, all right? You might be the perfect person to tell them. And if that's the case, this is where those verses in Proverbs fit in. Better are the wounds of a friend, right? And better is uh, open rebuke, all right? If you are the right person, then you should do that. If you are not the right person, then maybe you shouldn't, all right? We don't need to be walking around telling everyone they did something wrong. All right? It isn't going to work. All right? Just from a practical standpoint. Right? Sometimes, though, it is going to be hard to know which was which. Yes, Jennifer? Is there a separation of people groups here by saying dogs and swine? Like, he's talking to Jews, probably? Is, Is he, like, saying you don't need to just stand up and tell the Gentiles how they're gross and sinful and wrong. Um, since there's not this pre-existing love that's felt between you, they're not going to receive it. It's going to be worse. I don't think so. Um, but maybe. I mean, because usually, I mean, Gentiles are called dogs. Um, I don't remember if they're called swine, but dogs and Pigs are both unclean, and so it, it could be part of that. Yeah, well, it could be there. Also, by the way, note the, um, and this is, maybe it's helpful for interpretation, maybe not. Note the structure of that sentence, all right? This follows, um, do not give dogs what is holy, do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot, and turn to attack you. All right, pigs are unlikely to attack you. Dogs are unlikely. The dogs probably not so much to trample things underfoot. It's this is a A B B A structure. Dogs, pigs, pigs, dogs. It's just an interesting point. So there is certainly such a thing as wasting your breath on on critiquing certain people. You are just not the right person to do it sometimes. Uh, at least I, I think that's the right way to read this. Um, and if we take it to the Gentile route, there's certainly lots of ways that Jews could critique Gentiles, and Gentiles would be like, excuse me, 
Why are you talking to me? You uh, silly people. Yes, Kim? You just hit it. Cause it almost sounds like by doing that, you can create more harm than good. Mm-hmm. So if, by trying to present in front of somebody that doesn't need to hear or won't hear, or you're not the right person to give the information, mm-hmm. you can actually turn it and make it worse than just leaving it. Yeah, I totally think that's the case. And we have this as a very real phenomenon that you could not really experience nearly as well in Jesus' day. And that is um, essentially performative social media, where you, you're going to make sure you video yourself doing a certain thing on TikTok or Twitter or whatever, just to, just to, to be out there and whatever. It's, I see it all the time. And what it usually does, all right, is there's going to be a certain group of people that will go rah, 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 then a lot of other people will take that and go, Man, these people are stupid, right? It doesn't do any good, all right? If, if everything you do is going to be looked at as ridicule by the people you disagree with, then it's very questionable if it's going to be very useful at all. And so just keep, keep quiet, maybe, and not open yourself, or in our specific case, not open the faith up to, to ridicule. Uh, the, 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 the people who don't like us will not like us anyway, all right. We don't need to in, invite it. Yeah. Would this, he wouldn't be talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees. I don't think he would specifically return, refer to them as dogs here. Though he does, he does argue with them a lot, and so. I mean, he, he did. If you take it as generic of throwing things before swine, then certainly they would fit the general category of people who weren't listening to Jesus. Often. Many of them. Not, not all, but many. Okay, so let's go back to, to Proverbs, if we could. In instance, yes, sir. Where I hopefully made a moral statement. And somebody said, you have no right to judge, but it's not my judgment you have to worry about. You're condemned by Scripture. You're mm-hmm. standing judgment of Scripture, not me. Mm-hmm. And they kind of let that be kind of funny. And sometimes that's the right they don't call, right? Scripture is true, the difference they make. Sure. Uh, Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, verse 10. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. Alright? Of course, this is the purpose of this is specifically to teach us what we're supposed to be like, right? We should be people of understanding, and we should receive right, correction. We should receive rebuke when it's appropriate, right? Not all rebukes are appropriate, so obviously use wisdom to reject things that are not appropriate. But if they are appropriate, we should receive it. And the general proverb here being, if you are a person of understanding and you can receive wise advice, a single rebuke could deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. And of course that means like a like hundred punches or a hundred kicks, right? Under blows, bang, 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 right? 
A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. You should be a person of understanding and be ready all right, to receive that kind of thing. Um, now go to Proverbs 26. And these verses are actually genuinely difficult to understand. And have, and have been ever since they were written. There's lots of different takes on it throughout history. Proverbs 26, 4 through 5. This, these are two verses that if you were to separate them by large distances, uh, this would be exactly what somebody would look to and say, look how the scripture um, contradicts itself. But they're set right next to each other. All right? Because it's just as a, I don't know. I don't know why, as they deal with it, all right? Just kind of think through what this possibly could mean. 26, 4 through 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. The first one is, I think, a little harder to understand than the second one. Uh, but then again, right next to each other, it's, it's almost like it's giving opposite advice. Answer not a fool. Answer a fool. If we start with the second one, it's, I think, fairly clear. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. It is good to, if someone is being foolish, all right, given context and everything else, right? Perhaps it would be good to answer this fool so that that fool will stop being a fool, right? You use that masterful junior high device of sarcasm. To make it less obvious that it's a, uh, yeah. By the way, sarcasm is rarely a good critique. Just... Just keep that in mind. Um, that's not usually the best way to to approach people. Um, yes. Often easily yeah. available. <laughs> What's that? Often easily available. Yes. Are Easy we, to do. Uh, like at least the fourth one to me, it's you know if you've done those foolish things in your past, and you see you know if you're a younger person's coming up, you're trying to say work, for instance, or what have you, and you notice those things that you yourself were doing mm-hmm. you couldn't you can see that in them now yeah i've done that many times to try and tell younger guys like i see a lot of me in you and the foolish things that i did and what you're doing it's to some extent or another I would mm-hmm. say that. yeah i think too that maybe this echoes or resonates with the matthew 7 because it's they're both about discernment about knowing mm-hmm. when to turn uh, or knowing when to give the pearls or when to keep the pearls yeah. when to answer or when to not answer mm-hmm. that's a definite possibility another possibility I've heard would be um, and I, I don't think this one's it but it's, it's true but probably not what is meant here which is um, don't don't make the same assumptions that the fool is arguing and argue on his turf. Because sometimes they're making foundational assumptions in their arguments that are themselves false. Which seems a whole lot to assume that that's what's going on here. But also true. Um, yeah. Is he talking about two different kinds 
fools? Could be. Is this the, is this the swine that's not going to listen, or is this the, the fool that might actually listen to you? It's hard to say, right? Because it's, it's the nature of Proverbs. This is, there, so many of them are disconnected from context. But that is true, right? Just like you said, that's true. Is it true here? Could the ambiguity also emphasize that we can't know other men's hearts truly? That's true. Is that true here? I don't know. That's true, right? Yes, Jonathan. You mentioned we're missing context. Uh-huh. Do you think it, there could have been context in the past that we lost? Or was it context that people who this came out in their time would have mm-hmm. understood better than we do because we're 2,000, 3,000 years later than Solomon? I, I, I do assume that when this was first written, he had something in mind, yeah. right? But I'm not sure if, um, if it ever made it past the writing down of, because there's no context in which to embed it, right? Well, and so it's difficult. Though, right? I mean, I've always understood Proverbs as being general observations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which makes them terribly difficult to understand sometimes, like this one. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. Yeah, I should have kept us in Proverbs. We're going to go back there in a second and just reverse the order of these. But, you know, life is hard. I get it. All right, Philippians chapter 1, Paul is going to pray for the Philippians, all right? There's a piece on this This is that is relevant for us. Paul says in, cha- in uh, verse 3 of chapter 1, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Now, and now in some of Paul's letters, like at least one is written to a church he's never been to, all right? What about this one? Do we know? Where was Philippi? Philippi. Philippi. Where was that? Where, um, where was that? Anybody? Very close to Turkey, right on the other side of the water. This was in Macedon, uh, named after Philip. 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 That's right. Philip. Alexander the Great's daddy, right? So Philippi. Um, and did Paul ever go here? Yes, he did go here, right? Uh, remember, he was uh, he was in Asia Minor, in what was called what would be called Asia by the by the Romans, and he's, he's like, where do I need to go? And he receives a vision to go across, and he goes to Philippi. So he has, this is a church that he himself founded. So he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. 
For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Here, Paul prays that their knowledge will abound, right? That they will abound, their love will abound with knowledge and all discernment. Think of, think of the absurdity, all right? Think of the absurdity of taking Jesus' statement of, you shall not judge, all right? as saying that's a universal statement. It's absurd, because if you're saying that, what you're basically saying is, you may not have moral opinions. And when somebody says, you shall not judge, that is a moral opinion. It is absurd. All right? It is absolutely absurd. And all of them, all right, they're generally going to have that, is going to have moral opinions. And why do we have moral opinions? We all have them. Because... God gave us all consciences. All right? We all have moral opinions. If you were to say, you shall not judge as a universal, you're saying you cannot have moral opinions. Well, it's also uh, it's satanic, but it's do as thou wilt. That's essentially what that is also. Yeah, don't judge me because I'm doing what I want. As long as I'm doing what I want. It's good for me. If it's good for me, it must be yeah. good. And that's exactly that whole worldview. Yeah, it is. All right? It's, it is absurd. All right, on just logically, it, forget context. Logically, it doesn't make any sense. Then read context and go, oh yeah, Jesus didn't mean that at all. All right, the whole purpose of that was be right so that you can actually judge rightly and correct, correctly. And here's Paul praying this for the Philippian church. All right, he's he's giving thanks because of their partnership with him. All right, in his imprisonment, all right, and his preaching of the gospel. And he prays for them that their love may abound in knowledge and discernment. All right? Better of are the wounds of a friend. All right? Better is open rebuke than love held quietly. All right? May your love abound more in knowledge and discernment. All right? It is. All right, a part of your duty as a part of being an encouraging Christian. All right, sometimes it is your job to critique somebody openly. All right, it's uncomfortable. Some of us, me, I don't like critiquing people in person. All right, it's not pleasant for me. All right, I don't like doing it in work scenarios when it's not even moral. All right, it's not comfortable for me to tell somebody, hey, you're not good at your job. You should get better at your job. All right, you don't want to say it like that. Obviously, that's <laughs> certainly the wrong way to critique somebody. Yeah, exactly. You're not good. Stop being not good. Be good now. All right, not the right way to do it. But still, I don't find those uncomfortable. I don't find those comfortable either. All right, just as I would not find all right, it comfortable to critique somebody spiritually or morally. Yet, the idea that you are supposed to have discernment means you are always to be discerning, which means you're always to be judging. All right? You are always to be looking at things and going, that's right or that's wrong. It is one of our most important jobs. All right? Because every time we need to do something, we should always have something in our head going, is this right or wrong? All right. Lots of things we do are neutral. They're amoral. 
All right? Am I going to eat the peanuts or am I going to eat the pecans? Not a moral question for me. All right? I like them both. But there's lots of situations where we do have to make those discernment. And that means you're judging constantly. All right? And you need to be able to do that. Uh, now turn to Philippians 1 and we will be done for this morning. That's right. Uh, yeah, sorry, Proverbs 1. Thank you. You're judging me. Thank you. That's, that's entirely appropriate. You know, if I was nice, what I would have done is said, hey, put a bookmark in Proverbs because we're going to keep coming back there. I'm not nice, though. That's true. It is easy to find. And when you find Psalms, because it's much larger, just go to the right a little bit and you'll get there. Proverbs chapter 1. You know, there's... I mean, you can read the whole Proverbs about this stuff, right? Uh, let's, let's... In verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. All right? Wisdom calls for us all to be discerning, to be wise, and not be fools. Simple question. What is optimally? All right? The best way for you to learn something is a bad idea to do. All right? This is a tough question. Before you do it, or after you do it? What's better for you? Are you sure? Are you sure you should learn before? Yes, right? Because that's exactly what the Proverbs is saying right there. What is Proverbs saying? All right? It's like, listen to me, listen to me. And when you don't listen to me and something bad happens, what? I laugh at your calamity. Now, it's not telling us we should laugh at other people's calamity. This is a... This is a, a this is poetic speech about wisdom, all right? You didn't listen to me. Huh. You should have listened to me, huh. right? I will laugh at your calamity, and when you call out, eh, too bad. You should have listened to me beforehand. What's that? It's like the touching the pot stove analogy. Yeah, yeah, and, and after you, I mean, 
you can tell people how that they should not touch the hot stove, but once they touch it, then they'll know, right? And they'll learn better that way. But what's better is just don't touch the hot stove. Just learn from wisdom, right? And so that's how we should be, all right? We should try to be as discerning as possible so that we are not dumb and make these stupid decisions, all right? Ourselves, listen to other people making stupid decisions and go, oh, I'm going to learn from that. Yeah. Uh, I forget which Romans chapter or verse, but isn't like the 32 where, you know, they're fools, the prosperity of fools shall destroy. It's like giving, they're giving in to their sins and destroy them essentially. Yeah. It is, but we should not be that way, right? We should avoid that. We should seek that our love be increased by knowledge and discernment, all right? Now, when Paul prays for something, all right, when, or when wisdom here is saying to do something, what we should we do? We should do those things. We should seek wisdom. And as another thing we can pray for, we should pray for discernment, all right? Does God want to give us discernment? Yes. If God wants to give us discernment, we should seek it and we should pray for it. Because if God wants to give us something and we pray according to his will, all right, God will give it to us. Will he not? So we should remember those things. That is it for today. Any uh, final thoughts? Before we dismiss? Can I just yeah. back about the don't answer a fool, answer a fool mm-hmm. idea? And I think it kind of goes back to what you were saying about, or what you kind of said about, like, don't be hypocrite and not everything that's wrong is something you need to comment on, like, if it's not, like, yeah. the finance idea. Um, sometimes it, you can see something's foolish and you know that, but it might be more harmful for you to go and talk to that person because you can yes. get caught up in it and answer in a foolish way. Yes. Versus yes. sometimes you do know what um, it's okay to answer them because it's not going to be a harmful thing to you. Like you need to safeguard yourself as well mm-hmm. and be wise in taking care of yourself and not getting caught up and not becoming a hypocrite and also being a fool. So yeah. you have to know when it is okay and you're not always the one that's gonna say something. But when you are able to you should answer them and correct them or whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of people living on the streets of Austin that you don't want to go up to and try to correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I think that's what I thought when I was one of the one points of that whole scenario is when someone's actually in their folly and you think you need to do something about it, like in the act of whatever it is, you could get caught up into that same folly because you're not, it's not the appropriate time. Yeah. Um, so you have to be discerning and wise and when's the appropriate time when I see a a fault or a folly, sometimes they have to fall and then you're able to tell them, see, this was what mm-hmm. happened yeah. and why. Um, yeah. It takes discernment, right? It's, you, you, there is no obvious rule in all cases. It would be particularly difficult when a parent is trying to advise their children about something so they don't make the same mistakes the parent did. Mm-hmm. You could be sounding hypocritical because you're uh, criticizing their behavior. And they turn around and say, well, you did the same thing. I said, yeah, but it didn't work out that well with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. trying to get you to avoid the same mistake I made. Mm-hmm. 
and if we're being precise, all right, um, in that particular case, that's not hypocrisy, right? No. Hypocrisy is you're doing the thing and telling people not to do it. You doing something foolish and then suffering and then learning and then telling people not to do the thing, that's actually not hypocrisy. That's, that's wisdom, right? That's I learned from my, my foolishness. And so that is a perfectly valid basis for, for critiquing someone or giving them loving counsel. And it's certainly not hypocrisy. Yeah, it's when you've got that big rafter in your eye of that same thing. All right, that's that's hypocrisy. I think it takes faith and humility to have wisdom because you've got to. If you're going to receive advice from somebody, you've got to trust that they're reliable, reliable source of advice, mm-hmm. and that they actually do have your good in mind, and not just they're trying to wreck your fun. And then. Um, Humility to say, okay, maybe they do know, but I think this is a good idea, or it doesn't seem that bad to me, or that's not going to happen to me, but maybe you do know something. Yeah. And if you want people to listen to you, then you have to practice, right, trustworthy behavior. Right? Any other thoughts? Good thoughts, everyone. Good thoughts. Okay. I suppose we shall be done then since no one else has has thoughts. Okay. Uh Catherine, will you close this in prayer, please?